Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. Four summers ago, I had the opportunity to work for a short-term mission trip company, and about that same time, I had just started learning to play the guitar, so I learned some basic chords so that I could play along with some of my favorite songs. So I was looking for a song that I could play, and I stumbled across that song, um, and I want to tell you, I haven't learned any more chords since then, but I can still play that song. But ever since I've heard that, I've been hooked on it. It talked about all the things that I wanted to do and the person that I wanted to be that summer as I worked. And so I turned that that song into my prayer. What I did not know was how much I was going to need that song that summer. I found myself working in multiple situations where it was extremely hard to love the people that God had put in front of me. Working in a cultural setting that functioned way different as my own, even in the USA. I was doing a job that I was extremely unqualified for. They had made me a work projects coordinator. I did not know how to do half of what they were asking me to build, but we got through. But ultimately, I found myself extremely tired and wanting to throw in the towel. But as much as I didn't want to hear those lyrics, they were the exact lyrics that got me through that summer. And so as we move forward today, I want us to remember those words And my prayer is that they will become your prayer as well. Well, I'm Lauren. I'm a pastor here at Crossbridge. And something you may not know is that I actually grew up in this church since the third grade. And so today is a really strange but really cool day for me um, as I'm just serving in a different way. But I want to take a moment and thank all of you um, for loving me, for teaching me, for giving me space to learn, um, and ultimately helping me to become who I am today. Growing up, I had no idea that I would be up here um, when I got older, but God's plans were better than my own, and so here I am. Um, But I want to really thank you for this opportunity um, to speak with you um, this weekend. We're in week two of our series called Stepping Stones, where we're diving into a few of the practices of our faith um, as we move forward in our personal faith walks. And I fully believe that this series will help each of us me included, to grow as we talk about these different things. Last week, Harold talked about the importance of serving inside the church, and he focused a lot on the word compassion, but we want to thank you for all of you who filled out the serve cards and are joining us by serving here at Crossbridge because we truly believe that serving will help us grow in our faith walks. If you didn't have the chance to do that, um, they're always on the app or on the website, and you can also pick one up at the coffee bar at any time. It's never too late to join join us by serving in a ministry. This week, I'm going to build off of that concept, the foundation that Harold laid, and instead of talking about serving inside the four walls, we're going to talk about why it's important to serve outside of the four walls and how it will help us to see people, how it said in that song, to see people the way that God sees them. And I'm going to give you a forewarning because some of this stuff gets me really excited. So just bear with me um, as we get going. As I was preparing for this message today, there was three different stories that stood out to me about this topic, and I want to take a moment and look at each of them because I think they each have something unique for us to learn from them. Um, And before we get going into, into those stories, 
There's one scripture that I think we need to keep as our foundation of everything else that we talk about today. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, and it says this, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We're reminded here that the most important thing we can do is to love God, love God with everything we have. When we fully are loving God, God's love should pour out from us, or I often use the term ooze out from us. I just like that image that it puts in my brain that God's love should ooze from everything that we have. One of the things I was thinking about was if we don't keep God as our foundation and we skip that first part of that verse and we jump to the and love your neighbor as yourself, we're just really good people. But we're called to be more than that. We're called to be Christians, Christ followers, which means that we have to keep God as the foundation and build everything else we do off of that. So if we're supposed to love our neighbors, am I talking just about the people who live next door? <laughs> no, <laughs> they're included, but I think it's much more than that. And Jesus actually responds to that exact question um, by giving a story, which we're gonna read in the book of Luke, um, later on in chapter 10, it says this, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then, a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. A neighbor is anyone who needs some compassion, anyone who just needs a helping hand, anyone who needs some love. And I think we all find ourselves in that position at one point in time in our lives. I had two main thoughts when I read that story this time around. First of all, that the Samaritan didn't give the hurt man a Band-Aid and help him up on his feet. He didn't just choose the quick fix option because it was there, but he didn't choose it. I want us to go back and read those verses, verses 34 and 35. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him, the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. The Samaritan helped this hurting man in multiple ways. Not only did he stop and give him a Band-Aid, but then he took him to an inn where he could rest and heal more. And he didn't just leave him there, but he paid for it and paid for the future of his well-being. 
As Americans, I think we're extremely good at finding the quick fix to things. We use flex seal and duct tape rather than taking something in um, for a repair. We find hacks to weight loss rather than long-term permanent um, solutions and life changes. We swing through fast food places rather than stopping and taking the time to make a home-cooked meal. Our washers and dryers even have speed cycle options to them. And one of my favorites is that we have slip-on shoe options rather than shoelaces. Because as a child, I take my tennis shoes and shove my foot into them. And my mom would often correct me of, Lauren, you're ruining the back of your shoe. And I, all I knew as a kid was that it was much quicker and easier. Um, but I found the quick fix solution to things. And I know those are some pretty silly and off-the-wall examples, but I really think that they point to this concept that we are constantly looking for something that's faster, something that's easier, something that's um, less money, less time, fill in the blank. But this, the Samaritan could have easily done those things. He could have easily given this man a hand up, given him a few dollars or a Band-Aid, and then went off on his way. But he chose the time-consuming fix, the messier fix, and the more costly fix. Secondly, as Christians, I think we need to work to be the first person to stop and help those in needs rather than the last. People passed this hurting man, and it wasn't just one person. The story tells us two that we know of, and they weren't just your average people either. It was a priest and a temple assistant, which is the equivalent of a pastor and another staff member of a church. Surely, if anyone was going to stop, it was gonna be them. Wrong, they didn't. But I think that, that that is a challenge to us that we need to work to not fall into that trap, to pass people by who are hurting, that we need to work to be the first person to stop and help when we find people in need. And when we do stop, to not just give the quick fix, the easiest solution, but to truly see a person, see their needs, to see them as a human, and to see how we can truly walk alongside that person in the long haul. The next story I found, Pastor Harold talked about last week, and if he tells you that it was his story first, it was mine. We, we had a, a bit of an argument over, but I think I found it first, so I'm going to claim credit, um, but I really think that we can look at it again because there are still some things for us to pull out even when some of the concepts are the same. So in case you weren't here, this story is Jesus, um, the story of Jesus when he feeds the 5,000. It's found in the book of Mark chapter 6, this is what it reads. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw this huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And from there, we know that Jesus goes on to teach the people the word of God and then he recognizes that they're hungry and so that's where we see the miracle happen of five loaves and two fish. He takes that and he multiplies it and proceeds to feed 5,000 men plus their family and children and there was even things left over. 
Now, I mentioned that I've grown up here at the church. I've heard this story many, 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 many times. Um, And every time I've read it, I feel like I've been focused on the miracle itself because, duh, (laughs) it's the miracle. And it's like the climax of the story. But this time, I was more struck by the information that we're given that precedes the miracle itself. Jesus was trying to take his men away so that they could rest, take a break, fill themselves up before they went out on their next adventure, just have some downtime together. But it didn't work because people had found them. And I thought about this and said, like, how many times does that happen to us where um, we just want a few minutes alone and then somebody finds us? Maybe you have kids and you put yourself in a pantry or a bathroom or a bedroom and they're like knocking on the door, like, let me in, mom, dad. Um, Or maybe you take a few minutes and you just close your eyes and then you have a dog who decides that's the perfect time to play. Or maybe you're a teacher and your students have a million questions and you just need a break, so you hand them some busy work and then they're not doing it and they still have these questions. I uh, work here at at the Ottawa campus and oftentimes when I'm here and I pull into the parking lot, if I see Erica's car, Erica's our Crossbridge kids director, I come into the building, I set my stuff down and then I go on a hunt to find where she's at. It might be obvious, but maybe not. I'm extremely introverted or extroverted, <laughs> and Erica's the opposite end is is extremely introverted. So I love to be around people. Don't like to be by myself. Erica loves her alone time um, and prefers not to be around people all of the time. Although she loves people, and so I thought about this and how I get into the building, and then I'm like through the back hallway and into the rooms because Erica is notorious <laughs> for finding a new space to work in the church, some cozy corner that she's placed herself in and I'm not going to give away her spots. So if you ever need her, you're going to have to find her yourself um, because she's pretty good at hiding. But that's exactly what happened. These people saw something of Jesus's. They saw the boat. They saw him. They saw his guys. And they went to go find him because they wanted to be with him. They wanted to go say hello. And I'm reminded that Jesus had two choices, right? Jesus was human. It's the same sense that Erica has choices when I go to find her. She always says hello and gives me a hug. But Jesus had himself two choices. Option number one, ask the people politely to just give them a few minutes and that Jesus would get to them after. Option number two was to drop everything, sacrifice his rest and his quiet for a little bit and serve the people that God had placed in front of them. We're reminded of what that right choice, the right answer to that is in Philippians chapter two, verse four. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Jesus chose to serve. Yeah, it was inconvenient. Yeah, it messed up his plans. But when he did serve, he didn't, he didn't choose the quick and easy route either. He served in two ways. He served the people in front of him holistically. He saw that their need, they had a need for God, and so he stopped and he taught them the gospel. But he also saw their physical need, that they were hungry. And so um, the disciples offered Jesus the quick solution, which was to go and let them find something to eat. They'll go through McDonald's. They'll go to fast food, wherever they're going to head. But Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them, which took a lot of work and time and energy. I don't think that these concepts of serving the people around us started with Jesus, though. He's a great human example that we can look to But we can go all the way back to the Old Testament before Jesus even physically lived on earth and see examples of serving, specifically in cross-cultural settings. 
I wanna look at the story of when Moses was born. You may know that Moses goes on to be um, a key character in the Bible and does a lot of great things. But this is the story of when Moses was brought into this earth. And this is found in Exodus. The end of chapter one, it goes into chapter two. It says, then Pharaoh, Pharaoh's the ruler of Egypt, gave this order to all of his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. About that time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in a basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw this basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Some translations even use that word, compassion, that she had compassion for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when that boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Do you understand what just happened? <laughs> because I watched this story in VeggieTales format many times, and I didn't understand what was going on. The ruler of Egypt wanted this boy and all the other boys like him dead. The ruler's own daughter took in this boy and raised him under the very nose of the guy who wanted to kill him. That's a bold move. That's what I say. That is a bold move. Pharaoh's daughter has some courage. I thought about how many people are in that, that house. It had to be a big house. He's the Pharaoh. How many servants there were? How many guards there were? How many extra guests came in and out of that house? How many times that there was for Pharaoh's daughter to be caught for raising someone who was supposed to be dead? Pharaoh's daughter is a beautiful example of serving in a cross-cultural manner. She reminds us that sometimes serving may require us to push the boundaries that culture sets for us, the norms that culture sets for us. She reminds us that serving ultimately transcends race. Egyptians in this time viewed themselves as superior to the Israelites. The Israelites were physical slaves for the Egyptians. And so rather than falling into that mindset, she switched it up and she embraced him as her own. Pharaoh's daughter reminds us that when we serve people, we should view them as family. She reminds us that when we see people, especially people who initially we see different than us, we should respond with compassion and love and open arms. She reminds us that we should protect the most vulnerable. The church, and I'm talking about us, the people, whether you're online, in this room, all of us, the church, not the building, are supposed to be missional in everything that we do. Working to be the first to help, 
to those who are in need, going the distance to walk with people and not just offering the fast solution that society may give, serving even when it's inconvenient, serving when we're tired or grumpy and we don't wanna be around people, serving in a holistic way that sees a person as a person and not just a charity case and working to serve the whole person, serving even when it goes across against the cultural norm, serving even when others are just passing that person by, living life with people who are different races, ethnicities, genders, ages, economic backgrounds and social statuses and more. Serving with compassion, love, mercy and grace above anything else. Serving the most vulnerable. Serving large groups of people but also connecting with people one-on-one. But ultimately, loving the people that society shoves to the sides and serving and living in our, in, our, in our lives in a way that points people to Jesus. Isaiah chapter six, verse eight says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. Our missionaries, the Seneca family, are the perfect example of that verse. They were open to where God was leading them, so they went and now they're thriving because they're in the palm of God's hand and serving him in the way that, they have called, that he has called them to do. It changed them from the inside out. And now I think that God sometimes sends us to other countries, but he also sends us to our physical neighbor, the house next door, across the street, into town, into the community, and everywhere in between. About a month ago, um, Crossbridge sent a team of myself and four other strong, beautiful women on a short-term mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And I'll tell you, we learned a whole lot while we were there, um, and we wanted to share those things with you. So take a look at this. On our mission trip to the Dominican Republic, I learned that Dominican culture is rich and fruitful, and there's so much to learn, so much to have fun with, and we had a great time experiencing all of it. I learned that the Dominican Republic has such a mixture of people who are very, very poor and people who are very, very well off. I learned that the Dominican Republic is a beautifully broken community. Um, the Dominicans are animated, they're bright, uh, they're colorful, and they're very hospitable. I learned that the average pay per day in the Dominican is a little over $2 a day. I learned that I have friends all over the world, some that I can speak to and some that I can't. I learned that I was made for worship. I learned that I could come as I am and I don't have to be perfect. I, I learned about myself. Um, this really, this trip just really reaffirmed how blessed and how privileged I truly am. Um, I also um, have learned probably about myself that I can trust God in all things. I learned that the church is alive and well and God is moving in each and every country and that in the Dominican Republic, he's up to something really special. I learned that the church is universal. You can go to anywhere and you can find someone who has the joy of the Lord in them. I learned that the church is leading people to know Christ. I learned that the church globally um, is made up of all Christians from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, and they all stand before the throne and the same Lamb. 
I learned that God uses all people from all walks of life to be His hands and feet. He takes people from one culture and sends them to another to where they can serve alongside people who speak different languages than them, who have different backgrounds than them, and they come together as one big family to do the work of the kingdom. I learned that God has a sense of humor. You know, when you're in the middle of a shower and the power goes out and there's no hot water anyway, um, you just kind of laugh about it. I learned that God was at the center of it all and everything that we did. I learned that God uh, often has the resources, but he needs willing hands. I learned that Jesus does love the little children, regardless what part of the world you may live in. Even as Americans, we can be different ages, different races, different seasons or stages in our lives, but God's love is wide enough to include each and every one. I feel like this was such a wonderful experience that um, it's hard to put into words. So I really hope that any of you who have ever had any indication or any inclination that you'd like to go on a mission trip, that you'd really consider it. Because I think not only will you be helpful in the projects that we work on, but I think you will be a changed person when you get home. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.